Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MC Car Guys Podcast. You can reach us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys. Or you can drop us a line because we're lonely uh, at mzcarguys at gmail.com. We're not, we're not so, really that lonely. We both have two kids. You're never really lonely. Yeah, it's more like you grateful for a long time. Anyways, so, uh, but uh, we are continuing our podcast series. Uh, leading up to the release, uh, November 15th, of Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, so we've already talked about the race. We've already talked about the head honchos in charge. So I think it's time to talk about the cars themselves. What do you think, Matt? Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah. It's, it's, so... It's, what's so funny about it, in a brief, brief overview... Is the way it fulfills all the classic stereotypes that still exist fifty years later. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, and and I'll get into the 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 easiest way to describe it is you had Ferrari who had built this almost perfect machine, um, and 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 I and I use the word machine. Um, very, very purposely, um, because it was a complete thought out process from the car itself, from the shape, from the chassis, from the suspension, from the brakes to the engine itself. Everything was specifically designed to go racing with decades of experience headed by the man himself, Enzo Ferrari. The Ford, on the other hand, was this basically just controlled chaos that, you know, was just a beast of, of a car. Um, and, 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 and I would just say, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking a machine versus a beast. Well, yeah, in, in, in a lot of ways. So the other, the other big thing is what, what, the, what the P series, right? The cars, that, the cars that won Le Mans, the cars that competed in Le Mans in the early to mid 60s, you're right, was absolutely everyone was an evolution and improvement. Not quite 911-esque, but that general idea, right, of the model before. It started out with a 3-liter V12, eventually became a 4-liter V12. But essentially all the yeah. same, similar underpinnings, you know, a little more arrow here, a little more brake there, so on and so forth. Um, but so they'd been, you know, building and racing and tweaking and building and racing this thing for a very long time. And then Ford comes in and says, you've got, what, two years, maybe? And I want you to go and beat the pants off these guys. Yeah. And so what he ended up having to do was, and we mentioned this briefly before, was they, he contacted Carol Shelby, one of the best, who, if not the best, who came out and said, well, I've been taking these small British roadsters and putting uh, big V8s in them. And they've been doing pretty well. Let's try that. And we'll just move the engine from the uh, front where it doesn't work too well and move it to the middle. 
like the Italian guys. And uh, we'll take it from there. And they started off with yeah. a 289 and with a 7 liter, uh, 427. And it became apparent pretty quickly which one was going to be the, uh, the, you know, the fast car at Le Mans. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me put it this way. Cause, cause Ferrari did the exact same thing. They, they put out both, um, you know, they, they, they put out the, the, the smaller ones, you know, smaller engines, you know, the, 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 the three liters, and then they also put out four liters. So they, they did put out varying versions of it. Um, and the idea was that the really big engines with all the, the huge horsepower numbers, um, you know, you know, close to 500 horsepower, um, those were the ones that were the fastest. But once again, this is an endurance race. And right. so the prevailing thought was the smaller displacement engine was going to be better balanced. And so you basically had the exact same car, um, uh, you know, perform, you know, uh, handling wise and stuff and aerodynamic wise, it's just, you had, you know, you had kind of like a, a lower horsepower vehicle engine that if the, if the big ones blew up, you had these smaller ones that could kind of step in and, you know, Oh yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. then the other part of it too, that sort of is, is obvious if you stop and think about it is in an endurance race, how many times do you have to stop for fuel? Cause you can only make the fuel tank so big and almost everyone knows that a four liter engine is going to require less fuel stops than a three liter engine in the, or more fuel stops than a three liter. And the same way that a seven liter V8 is going to require more fuel stops than a five liter V8. Yes. But basically so. the, the theory, the only thing I can come up with, and I've thought about this a lot. The only thing I came up with is the most on straight made so much difference that this small engine couldn't compete. Yeah. And, and you just, you couldn't get up enough speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'd fall so far behind on that long straightaway. Now at, at the, at the 24 hours of Daytona, that's, that's a different story. Oh yeah, because oh, the, yeah. the 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 twenty four hours of Daytona, it's a very, um, yeah, you've got you know kind of this you know the the backside of Daytona National Speedway, which is kind of what they're using. But as soon as you get to like the the actual handling section of the course, you know the actual road course of it, it's very twisty windy. Um, I've I've actually been um, uh, to uh, Daytona National Speedway several times, and um, and I, I've taken several tours and stuff like that. And one of the tours was, hey, let's just kind of show you what the road course looks like. It's open. So they actually took us on the road course and showed it. And, and it's twisty, windy. Exactly. Yeah, heavy braking. Lots of braking. Yeah. So anyways, so specifically we're talking about the, uh, the, the, the 330P series. Um, P meaning, you know, prototype. Um, there was a P3 and then the P4, so kind of like an A and a B, so to speak. Um, but you don't want to say PA and P4, you know, PA, PB, whatever. But, I mean, if, if you look at the car, it is such a gorgeous car. Oh, it's incredible. So, you know, just well put together. Um, <clears throat> 
Well, it just looks sleek. I mean, more than anything else, it just looks sleek. It looks like everything is made specifically for a racetrack. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's just... Yeah, I, I, I went to actually... Um, I'm, I'm getting all of this information. So the 1966 330P3, and I'm getting this from Ferrari's website. You can actually go to Ferrari's website and look up what they call past models, quote unquote. Um, and, and, it, and, and you can look up the, you know, 330P3 from 1966. Um, now, now I want to point out this and we'll, we'll get back to this in just a second. It's a V12. It's mounted longitudinally. So that really? means that it, yeah, so so it's it's so it's it's a longitudinal 60, 60 degree V twelve, and it's roughly four liters. It has a compression ratio of ten point five to one. But here here's the thing here's the thing I want you to to look at. Um, its bore is seventy seven millimeters, which makes sense because it's you know it's a V twelve but its stroke is 71 millimeters. Oh, so it's all about the top of the rev range. So it's all about the top of the rev range because it made 420 horsepower at 8,000 RPMs. Nice. This is 66. Wow. 1966. So the only way that was possible was because it was a V12, which was inherently balanced. So you didn't need any balanced chest at high RPM. Well, and, and, and this is kind of a, uh, a, a counter to that. Um, hold on, where is it? That comment. Um, so the, the, the 427 FE engine. In, 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 the, in the 4GT cars. Yeah, yeah. In GT, the, yeah, the 7 liters, the 427s, they had a, a bore of... 107.5 millimeters. Wow. Well, it's it, it's an obvious. It's 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 a V8 versus a V. It's a V8 versus a V12. Right, and it's, it's so almost have, a liter per cylinder, so I get it. Yeah, but the stroke is 96.1 millimeters. Wow. So it's all about low end torque. Yeah, this is not a high revving vehicle. I I can't. I can't find the uh, um, the actual, you know, pa- this power at such and such RPM. Right. Um, no uh, surprise. But it says that. Yeah. So it. Well, you know, are all handmade anyway, so there's probably various. Kind of like how the Nissan GTR R34, every engine is a little bit different. Even the R30, well, R34 and 35. Yeah. Well, I mean, it made. Roughly the same amount of horsepower as, as as uh, as so, what mid fives, yeah, the, yeah the, yeah the three thirty. Now the P four, the the Ferrari P four, the 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 three thirty P four. This is truly where everything came out. Now, this is nineteen sixty seven. Okay, uh, 66 and um, 
because that was the first because 66 was the first year that that the Fords won so they came out swinging this is what they came out with at in 1967 three valves per cylinder instead of just two okay was two so three valves per cylinder two intake one exhaust that must have been a huge exhaust valve yeah um I lost you. Okay. I mean, that's so, just, so I mean, specific exhaust valve. What's up? Right. So you got this. Yeah. So you got this huge exhaust valve and these uh, dual intakes, depending on what RPM you're at. Yeah, and then four camshafts, so Ooh. it's dual cam, and and fuel injection. It's 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 a Lucas. Indirect fuel injection. So, what do you, what do you mean by indirect? Do you mean do you mean port fuel injection or something different? Um, hold on, let me. Usual term. Um. Well, I got to look at the actual. Okay. At the actual. So, this, uh, is, this, this, is, this is this is this is a pushrod VA, right? Oh no, you said dual overhead game. I'm sorry, you said that. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's okay. Rev, so it revs better. Yeah, so let's follow. Oh, there's the there's the P4. 1967 P4. <clears throat> so 1967 P4. Yeah, so yeah, so it, it, indirect injection, basically just port fuel injection. Okay. Essentially. But the <laughs> con conversely are, you know, kind of, yeah, conversely the the Ford, the GT40, when they went from the Mark II to the Mark III, <clears throat> sorry, uh, from, from the Mark II to the Mark IV, they added another four-barrel carburetor. Wow. <laughs> just just guys. Yeah. Well, you know, because they wanted the... Biggest power. Yeah. Wow. So... So you got eight barrels running through eight cylinders. Yeah, yeah. So basically, just like one barrel per cylinder. So it's so we should back up a little bit here because correct me if I'm wrong, but on the on the so, okay, the Ford car was called the GT40, right? Grand Touring. That part's pretty obvious. The 40 was because the car sat no more than the tallest part of the car was 40 inches off the ground, which was super low. And the name of the and the mark was essentially which iteration generate gener basically which generation it was right the let's back up for a second because the mark one and the mark two did not do well at Le Mans. no no ferrari basically handed their asses to them in in the early 60s 60 well 60, yeah. well the the mark two was okay um i mean it really truly was the mark four um, that, right. yeah, so, but the Mark II, the Mark II was, um, I mean, it, it, it did win some races and stuff. Um, that's where you get the, uh, um, so like the Gulf racer was a Mark one, um, 
you know, the, oh. that classic one had a 289. Yes. And it had individual carburetors and stuff like that. So, so the most iconic looking individual throttle bodies. Yeah. Okay. Throttle bodies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful car. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah. More, so the Mark II one. It, 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 it was uh, four, not- four two barrel carburetors. <clears throat> okay. So, okay. but yeah. So it won. It won some races, but it did not win Le Mans, which is the whole point of the GT project. Exactly. Um, so realistically, we're really talking about the 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 three thirty P four Ferraris. Mm-hmm. And the Mark IV GT40. Right. right. And all the Mark IVs were 7 liter, 427s. Yeah. 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 They, they, they retired all the 289s. The 289s, you couldn't get um, y- you couldn't get the um, the power. Oh, yeah. Um, and you were, you know, you were really just. The engines just ran too hot. They they were just way too strained. Now, here's the hilarious thing. This is the hilarious thing. So, like I was saying before, the 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 Ferrari 330P4 is just an absolute tour de force of just craftsmanship. And engineering and, and, and all of this, even all the way down to its V12 and the 427 7 liter was the same engine <laughs> out of the Ford Galaxy. Right, which was uh, well, how, 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 do we, how do we put this? The, the the grandpa sedan, the full size sedan. I mean, how do you want to describe the Galaxy to the masses? Yeah, yeah, it would it would be a full size sedan, but okay. those are all. But it's also it's the same engine. Now this, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not saying that that the 427 is is antiquated. It's actually a really really good engine, super strong, durable as hell. The 427. I mean, it, it was it was what they raced in NASCAR for years and years and years. Um, the uh, the the Navy used them on uh, for outboard motors and stuff. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I mean, it's okay. just yeah. I mean, so so it's it it can absolutely be driven. Um, yeah, it has its yeah. bona fides. Got it. Yeah. Well, the. So 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 um, the 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 light support craft um, used by the Navy SEALs in the '60s was powered by two 427 um, FE engines. Oh, cool! So you know, and it was used in drag racing and stuff. So I mean, the thing is absolutely bulletproof, ridiculously bulletproof. Which, which again, you need in a long, you know, huge endurance race like this, especially when you can go from 200 plus miles an hour down to 45 in the same race, and you're running hundreds of laps in a row. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and and so and and they're big block engines, you know. So so they're right, cast iron. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, cast iron. And and I think the I'm probably going to get shot for this, and I can't find it anywhere. Um, the V12. Uh, it doesn't tell me, um, but I believe the V12 in the Ferrari was was it all aluminum? I can't find it. I wouldn't be Anyways. surprised. I would be surprised. Yeah. But so, yes. so the difference is you're looking at like a modern engine today on average, on typically, right, is a half liter per cylinder, four liter V8, three liter V6, so on and so forth, somewhere in that range, especially when you put a turbo on it, two liter turbo, four cylinder, right, super common. The V8 in this thing was running, give me a second, 0.875 five liters per cylinder. Yeah, that's, almost one liter per cylinder. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, I mean, just yeah. every, everything is just so much bigger. And then on, on the converse, yeah, the Ferrari has a lot more cylinders, which is a lot more, it's like having a lot more people essentially pushing a, or cranking out a rod to get it to go somewhere. But those people, for lack of a better term, are really small. They're a third of a liter per cylinder. So basically, each cylinder is almost triple the size on the V8. Nears makes well, a difference. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. And, 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 and the reason why I wanted to, to point out um, the, 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 the strokes of the two different engines, the fact that you have, I mean, roughly 20 millimeters more stroke on the V8 versus the, the Ferrari's V12. <clears throat> and what, what stroke gives you is, is it gives you torque. So it gives you a torque, but it not only gives you torque, but it also gives you a lot of low-end torque. So a lot of it's so low in the RPM range is where you're going to get it from. So the Ferrari is able to rev to 8,000 RPMs, which just, I, I had to reread that sentence like several times. <laughs> like, wait, 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 are we still dealing with the 1967, truly? Right. Um, like motorcycle engine back then. Yeah. But the, um, but it has to rev up there. To get up there. But to get the power. To get it to its power. Yeah. So especially like I, I was watching um in the uh um the the documentary, uh the this the twenty four hour war. Yeah. When you watch the beginning of the race and you see the the GT forties uh, the, the, the Mark IVs, when you see them just take off, they absolutely just leave everything in the dust. They launch right off, you know, out there and stuff. Oh, yeah, right, as the, as the race is starting. Well, and here's the other thing. The, the, the transmissions 
so the the Ferraris had five had five speed transmissions, right? To be able to kind of go through everything. The GT40s had a four speed. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yes, and they went with a four speed because it, it was they were having such a hard time with you know the transmissions just blowing up. Yeah, putting the power down. You're able to overbuild the four speed, especially if you don't shift as much. It creates less heat, less friction, less problems. Yeah, and and that's the basic idea, is that they were able to with these cars and stuff. The other thing that they did real quick while we're talking about transmissions, something that I've only seen on on GT40s, I think of any car I've ever seen in my life was right. I think it's the Mark IV only was right hand drive with a right speed stick shift. So the stick shift is in the door. Yeah. And as I yeah, the idea was they go from the armrest, like your arm, you're constantly on the armrest, so it like mitigates driver fatigue, like I said, it's quicker shifting, something like that. But it, yeah, yeah. So, so you want, um, so te- technically it wasn't, and, I, and I've seen it in a couple other racing cars and stuff like that. Um, it's not technically in the door itself. It comes because it has a very high, like, uh, like, like door sill where you like step into it. So when you open the door, it has a very high door sill. So it has a, so it is actually sticking out of what you'd almost consider like the kick panel <laughs> to the to the right. Okay. Um, it's it's in the but floor. yeah, but yeah, but you're able to you're able to move your hand from the right side of the steering wheel. Just it's just one simple little motion over to uh the, the the shifter so yeah so yeah that's that's actually a pretty common race car thing especially back then um like if you watch uh like formula one i, I remember watching <clears throat> uh from from the late 80s uh some uh, some formula one racing with like air and senna and and, and and stuff um they had that so so the little just just this little short shifter kind of a thing right off to the side um, which, by the way, watching Ayrton Senna four-wheel drifting in Monte Carlo while shifting, like a, a like an actual stick shift Monaco. Formula One car, Monaco, yeah, just blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, I've seen that same video, and the crazy thing—he's going into some of these corners, some of these really tight corners, and he's actually. As he hits the apex, he's twitching the wheel into the corner a bit just to get that extra bit of rotation out of the rear end to help tighten his line for the next corner. It's really crazy. And the, they said, basically, if you you know make a broad generalization, the cars then, late 80s and early 90s, had twice the horsepower and half the grip of the cars today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Anyways, but yeah, so so it's just it's it's so interesting though, just yeah, the you know from 1966 to 1969, you know the the the, the GT40, um, you know was was dominant at at Le Mans, but it's the 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 idea the how they came about it how ferrari came to it with all of their just 
uber technology and and everything um you know and then ford came at it from you know less you know and and it's it's kind of a really american idea and that is you know if if it ain't broke you, you need to get a bigger hammer <laughs> Well, and the other part of that too is um, if there's a problem, throw more power at it. Yeah. You know, and we'll worry about the rest later. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, in this is the mid 60s, and I believe it was, I think it was only in America were we doing drag racing. Yeah. It's still primarily an American sport. Yeah, so you know, but well, I mean, it's you know, just you know, people people still argue about where that term comes from, and to me, it's like so obvious, right? What 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 are the big streets called, especially in cities like Detroit and Chicago at the time? The main drag. What did you do? You yeah, you mm-hmm. you raced down the main drag, drag racing. Simple. Yeah. Whatever. Now I would like to point out, and and I don't think we'll be able to get into uh, to talking to you know talking about him and stuff, um, but the 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 first win in 1966, one of the drivers was Bruce was Bruce McLaren. Oh yeah, I think I've heard of him. Yeah. So yeah. don't don't kill me. You, you may have you may have heard of a, a certain car company. He uh, he developed this car called the F1 that uh, may 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 have sold for tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, and is worth every single penny of it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 unfortunate. Um, you know, and 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 a lot of the a lot of the 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 three thirty P fours um, didn't didn't really they they, they weren't really preserved. Um, and Enzo didn't really have that much of an idea of we need to preserve these cars for like history or whatever. So he he was not he used what he was not into nostalgia. No, no, no. He just wanted to race. So he just, he wanted to, you know, he, he, he wanted to, a lot of them got converted into later cars, maybe raced in some other races and stuff like that, you know, but I mean, it's, it's just, it's so amazing, you know, and most of the original 11 GT forties that were raced are, um, are still there. Are, are still out and about, yeah. Um, you know, in, in in private collections and so forth. Um, so it's just um, it's it's just so amazing that that I mean it's it's almost like this was like the zenith that Ferrari could produce for endurance racing. Yeah, and it, went, and it went up against the Zenith that, that Ford or anybody else in the world could produce, and look what happened. Yeah. Ford came out on so, three years in a row? Four. Four years in a row. And uh, I, 
correct me if I'm wrong, one of those years, maybe 66, they finished first, second, and third? Yep. In 1966, they went one, uh, one, two, three. And um, for the 50th anniversary, they repeated that feat with a new Ford GT, twin turbo V6. Yep. In their class, not not the overall. The overall categories have changed drastically in the last 50, 50 years. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but in their class, but, one, two, three. That's that's pretty darn cool. It is. It is. Now, mind you, um, that that one, two, three victory at the nineteen sixty six Le Mans was it was kind of overshadowed um because ken miles uh who we'll talk about i think uh next week um you know when we talk about um because I, I, I think we can do you know, we've, we've only got a couple more of these before you know the actual movie time and stuff but ken miles um who was the main driver and the main guy behind everything um, you know, um, I think I'm correct in that. He was, he, well, he was, he was basically, as I said, he was Ford's top driver. Yeah. So he was one of the most experienced but, uh, on the circuit. Yeah. Hold on. There's, there's, you know, I mean, but great spotlight on him in, in the 24 hour war documentary, which again, if you have Amazon prime or if you know someone who has, has Amazon prime and you have any interest in this whatsoever, it's really good. It's definitely worth your hour and a half. Yeah. Now we're not saying that you should use their account. We're saying go over to their house and watch it with them. Yes. Because we would never, ever, ever say, Hey, Anyways, so, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, Ken Miles, um, you know, he he should have been the winner, but Henry Ford II wanted the showboat. He wanted the, you know, he he, he wanted the the one, two, three that that they had replicated at Daytona. He wanted to replicate that at um, at uh, at Le Mans, and so he told Ken Mile to slow down. The problem is, is he didn't understand the fact that because uh, Bruce McLaren and team had started further back on the starting grid, that they had actually yeah on the starting grid that they actually covered the most distance. And so because Ken Miles wasn't further ahead, he didn't technically win the race. Right. So to, to visualize this, essentially Ford wanted to see the three cars stagger in, where essentially they're like one car length apart from each other, as, or even closer than that, as they cross the finish line. So essentially it looks like almost a uniform finish. But yeah, because the rules state it's the most distance covered in 24 hours. Exactly yep. that, right? And when you're, I was something. It was something like fifteen or twenty places farther back on the grid that that McLaren um, and his partner started with his co, his um, the other driver. Yeah, they uh, yeah. they cover the most distance. It's it's just the way it is. So yeah, you know, and and there's there's some people who have frankly never forgiven Henry Ford the second that, and uh, I I see the well, and and the and. And it really sucks that 
Ken Miles wouldn't really truly see the fruits of the the true fruits of of his labor um because he would die in uh the 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 model uh, i think it's the yeah the model j yeah 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 so the 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 model j which was um they were testing to be a a faster version um, and a modified version of the Model J became the Mark III and IV, um, but he died in later in 1966. Oh wow! So, yeah. So I mean, he 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 died in August of 1966. So not long, um, you know, not not long after um, his you know the victory. yeah basically so well yeah that's that's really unfortunate um but yeah you know if you get a chance to look up bruce mclaren at some point we'll try and do a profile on him he's he's kind of an important figure uh in the automotive world um yeah it's uh it's at some point we'll probably also talk about something that Jay Leno has brought up several times um, that McLaren did, which essentially is where you build your car, but with somebody else's engine in it and the pluses and minuses of that. But uh, yes, yeah. that's for another time. So I think this a little bit shorter than usual, but I think that's, that's a good podcast, man. You know, no need to drag it out. They were two incredible cars, uh, two incredible looking cars as well. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and all oh, the design. Oh, and you, you know, you can always criticize Ferrari a bit for the fact that they stuck with the red paint job, but that became such an iconic part of Ferrari. You also can't blame for it either, but every single livery paint job ever put on the GT 40 looks good. Some look amazing, but they all look great. Yeah. You know, even just, even just in, in test car white, the car you just, the car just like it. It's one of those cars that looks fast sitting still, and that's getting harder and harder yeah. to do these days. So you know, my my hat is off to them. Um, there's a company called quickly a company called Superformance. I don't know where they're based out of, yep. but they do uh, GT40 replicas, and they'll do them in a bunch of different you know custom configurations for you, uh, different transmissions, different engines, and uh, different you know right well, hand drive. Super- so yeah, su- super performance does a lot of they, they do a lot of replicas. They do uh, a lot of replicas of uh, Cobras. Um, they do a lot of replicas of Daytonas um, and stuff like that. So yeah, but you know, I, I I I think I think I'll just leave it at like this. It's it's so cool to look at where in the in the racing world today, the differences between competing manufacturers is so minuscule it's so small yeah you know, everybody's kind of doing the exact same thing blah 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 and these two cars which competed head to head with each other could not have been more different yeah. um in in construction in concept yeah. in idea um, and the fact that from 1966 to 1969, these these two cars just you know just 
beat the crap out of each other. Um, and the world is better for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You know, and it's, and we, I don't know if we glossed over this before, but Ford never won again. I'm sorry, Ferrari never won again. Well, they never come. They, yeah, they, they decided never to really kind of truly compete to that level. Yeah. In, uh, yeah, yeah, at, at, at Le Mans and decided to focus on uh, Formula Series racing, which, you know, they did okay at, you know. Right. You know, only, only, only slightly freaking dominant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they, they had this guy, I don't know, um, Mike Schindler. I, I don't really remember. Anyway. Schumacher. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah that, and I heard, I heard he won a couple of races, so that was good. So good for him. Yeah. So <laughs> but, we're being facetious. Please don't. Argue. Please don't. We know who he is. Um, yeah. He seems like a decent fellow. I even heard he was the Stig once. Yeah. Just rumor. <laughs> Some say. Some say. Anyways, Matt, I think that's a podcast, sir. It's a podcast. It's been a pleasure. Uh, We'll uh, see you next week. Absolutely. Bye.